0: Welcome to There is a Method to the Madness. My name is Rob Maxwell. I'm an exercise physiologist and personal trainer. I'm the owner of Maxwell's Fitness Programs. I've been in business since 1994. That is now 30 years. I no longer have to say just under 30 years. I think that's pretty cool because I've been enjoying it the whole way. Love fitness, love strength training, love cardio, love all of it. Think it helps. I know it helps, and I know like it makes everything that we do better. Not just how we look, not just how we feel temporarily, but I think it makes us better human beings because we're happier, we have higher self-esteem, we're more alert, and we go out and do more useful things because, in my opinion, that's what it's all about, getting out there, helping the world, helping other people, And I just believe that physical fitness really helps us do that. All right. So that is my mini little speech. Before I get into today's topic, let me thank Jonathan and Lynn Gilden of the Gilden Group at Realty Pros. They currently have over 280 five-star reviews on Zillow. And let me tell you, both Jonathan and Lynn put the strength back into this real estate Market. All right. If you need help, give them a shout. 386 451 2412. Today, I'm going to talk about rep maximum. All right. That is a way, just a way. There's a lot of ways, but I think it's one of the best ways to measure our intensity in strength training. There's a lot of inconsistency. In what we're told regarding intensity of strength training, meaning that a lot of people just don't know how hard they're supposed to go. And they oftentimes are misled to think that they can just do a certain random number that is thrown out there. And if they stop at that number they did something, and they did. They probably just didn't maximize what they're trying to do. Uh, What I'm really trying to say in this uh, little brief introduction here is a lot of people are just confused about how to measure the intensity. And the intensity is one of the most important factors in all of strength training. Like, We do have to go to a certain threshold if we want to see greater benefits. And The benefits we're all really trying to achieve when we strength train is to increase our muscle, which by the way, a lot of people call tone. So tonicity is simply nothing more than a partially contracted muscle. That's actually how it's defined. So when our muscles are harder and stronger, they look more tone as long as we are losing body fat. So when people say, I really, really want to tone up, I know what they're talking about. It's just I have to take their desire, their wish, their goal and put it into physiological terms what we're really talking about. So we're really all trying to add a little bit of muscle mass, make the muscles harder and get stronger, which we all can now. As I've spoken about on many podcasts, and for those that are new, I'm just going to say that how much we actually grow, like how strong we get and how much muscle mass we gain is very largely genetic. Okay. So yes, age is a factor and all that, but the bigger factor is actually age. So not everybody that starts working out has the possibility Of looking like a huge NFL linebacker. Now, for a lot of you, you're probably going, oh, that's good. Yeah, I get that. And that's why I'm saying that is like, that's genetic. All right. Regardless of anything somebody might take, some people might say, well, they're also taking juice or roids, whatever. It's like, okay, yeah, but you still aren't going to get overly big unless you have the genetics to. All right. So how much we grow is largely, largely genetic, but we all should be going to the gym with the idea in mind of getting stronger and adding a little bit of muscle. All right. Because look, that's also the best way to improve your metabolic profile as well. So I think it's no surprise to anybody listening to this, say over 50, maybe even over 40. But as we start to get a little bit older, our hormones do change. Women start to approach menopause and the hormones change. Men start to lose testosterone and the hormones change. So sex drive goes down, um, strength levels go down. So those things happen. But when we increase our muscle mass, when we get stronger, it's the best way to raise testosterone in all cases. And yes, women have some testosterone too. And oftentimes they're battling the menopause issue because that is what is actually dropping in them. So we all want to achieve that. We all want to get our muscles as strong and hard as possible because we're helping our metabolic health as well. Okay, so got that out of the way. Let's talk about how we measure that. There's different ways. I mean, some people talk about just going to MMF, momentary muscular failure, which, you know, Yeah. I mean, ultimately there's a lot of truth to that. So a muscle that is approaching or hits momentary muscular failure is actually at the highest point it can go because what happens is you're actually recruiting every single muscle fiber within the muscle belly. So your motor neurons actually house your muscle fibers. And, with, and then the motor neurons actually fill up a muscle belly. So there's all these muscle fibers floating around in their motor neurons and then they're filling up the muscle belly. So when you hit muscular failure, you've actually recruited every single last one of them and you've recruited all of the fast twitch muscle fiber, which are really the most important. Because as we age, they're the ones that atrophy the most. And they're the most important for actually gaining strength and hypertrophy. And the only way we get to those type 2 fibers or fast twitch fibers is if we recruit every single muscle fiber. Now, I know some people love the physiology. Some people hate it. But, you know, it is important to know it. So let me also explain this to you. There's such a thing called the size principle. And what that means is we recruit from smallest to largest. So we recruit our smallest motor neurons first, and they happen to be the slow twitch muscle fibers. And then we recruit our largest motor neurons last. Those are the fast twitch muscle fibers. We always recruit from smallest to largest. So if we stop a set very short of failure, we haven't gotten into those fast twitch muscle fibers yet another way we can manipulate that is with speed if we go a little bit faster we're going to recruit more fast twitch muscle fibers quicker but you have to do that in some sort of control or else your form is horrible or your form sucks and then you're not really recruiting recruiting the right muscle fibers or the right muscles i should say so there's a lot of things to think about which is why All of you are very, very intelligent listening to this podcast, so you get some of the science. All right. So, yes, we do have to get very close to failure. Now, studies have shown you may not have to hit outright failure, but you have to get close. And so that can be somewhat vague. And one of my uh, good clients out in California who I train remotely when he's out there and I train him in person when he's here. And he's made so many strength gains. We're so proud of him. You know, he talks about the psychological side of failure. Like he feels like, well, there's always something left. And there is a lot of truth to that. There's a huge psychological barrier and everybody is a little bit different in that. But I can say that if you're getting close or if you really think you're there, you're probably very, very close. Okay, so that is one way people measure it. But as that point brought up, you know, that that does bring a little bit of a psychological feeling in there. And sometimes we fool ourselves. You know, I often tell people, you know, feelings aren't facts. So sometimes we do think, "Mm, I'm real close to failure. That was hard. Well, and that's the problem with that. You know, everybody's a little bit different with that. So sometimes that's not the best way. If you're training at home to say, I'm just going to go to failure. I do think numbers matter. I mean, qualitative training is the most important thing. Absolutely. Like really putting your mind to the muscle, really focusing, really concentrating, keeping your form and all that in check and reminding yourself you have to hit failure. That's qualitative training. Important. But quantitative training is important too because of that psychological factor. Because, you know, if we have a number in mind that we've hit very close before, we're going to shoot for that number. So I think Both are important, which is why I use both. So having said that, my favorite way to track intensity is what we call rep max. And it's not that complicated. It just means that let's say you're supposed to do 10 reps on the leg extension, right? Everybody's favorite. Quads are burning. Well, if you're supposed to do 10 rep max, that means you're going to use the most weight you can use for 10. So if you put it on a certain weight and you're at eight and you know you have like six more reps left in the tank, that's not 10 rep max. That's more like 14 or whatever rep max. So that's not heavy enough. Now in the beginning we can get away with using a lot less intensity because you know that that's the uh, you know the old training wheels are still on and you know you're really lucky if, if you don't like training hard, that is that you are still going to make some gains because you're really new to all this. But you know, after a few months or so, you're really not until you get to higher intensities. So, you know, yes, you can go short of failure. And let's say if you're supposed to do 10 rep max and you know, you can do 14, it's not the end of the world. If you're in your first couple weeks, I don't want anybody to be discouraged listening to this thinking, well, I haven't been able to go that hard yet. It's like, it's okay. You know, there is still some subjectivity to all this, of course, because you know it really is a guessing game, especially early on. But that's why I think rep max is so good because you know we chart everybody's workouts, like we keep reps and loads in a chart because then we know, like we're taking a lot of the guessing out of it. We know what somebody's done in the past, and so we're always shooting for a little bit more. But rep max is great. And you might be sitting at home going, well, what else is there? (laughs) So there is another way. And that's why I'm talking about this way. Like best. some people, especially like in the professional sports, use what's called a percentage of one rep max. All right. There's been a lot of studies done on it. Meaning whenever you see a lot of studies done on strength training, like in the email yesterday, I think it was yesterday. No, it was today's. I talked about how, they measured the difference between people that use selectorized machines and the people that use free weight. And they actually found that both had the same level of strength gains and hypertrophy. Well, that's how they figured it out because they used a percentage of rep, one rep max on each exercise. So a lot of the studies are done using that. And what that basically means is that they've studied it and found that people can do about eight reps with 80% of their one rep max of that exercise. So some strength and conditioning coaches, and I happen to be a certified strength and conditioning specialist through the NSCA. So I was taught all of that. So work with sport teams and all that good stuff. Um, You know, they'll use that a lot because it's simply easier to give a baseline to a 40 athletes or, or even more, 75 athletes, if you're talking a football team, you can say, all right, everybody's doing three sets of six on the bench press with 80% of your one rep max. So the athletes are tasked to figure out what their one rep max is, then do the math and figure out what their 80% is. I mean, that's fine, but there is some holes in it. Studies have found that like for different exercises, it doesn't always add up. Like in one study I saw, someone was able to do over 20 reps on the leg press with 80% of the one rep max, and you're only technically supposed to get eight, and they were only able to do six to seven curls. So what they found was that the, the larger the muscle groups used, the less consistent one rep max or percentage is, all right? And plus... Do y'all really want to go out and do one rep maxes all the time or estimated one rep maxes and then figure out 80%? No. I mean, rep max is better. In other words, if I tell you, all right, uh, Joey, you're going to do three sets of 12 rep max. So that basically, not basically, why did I say basically? That means you're going to use a weight that you can get 12 reps with. I mean, sure, if you get 11 or 13, of course, that's good. But the idea is that you're always shooting for whatever that rep number is. And it's a simple solution. If you do your first set and you know you have a couple more reps in the tank, you can do those couple more reps and then just simply add some weight. That's what's cool about it. It's always adjustable. And if your body is going to that number in good form, in other words, comparing apples to apples, Because you don't want to do like Tuesday's workout with super fast reps one way and then Thursday's workout with super slow reps. No, this is all comparing apples to apples. Making sure that your rep speed is very consistent for you. And I could do, of course, in an entire podcast on that. But making sure that you're following the good rules of smooth form, squeezing the muscles, not going too slow, not going too fast. And if you're doing that, rep max is just Really, the way to go. I mean, that's what we use. So, I'll put it on the charts and I'll say, All right, so if Ellen's working with somebody, I'll say, All right, Ellen, they're going to do, you know, uh, three sets, they're going to do 12, 10, 8 in reps. So, 12 rep max, 10 rep max, 8 rep max. And then she knows how to figure, Okay, so it should be this weight and this weight. And then, based on what she sees with her eyes, she can adjust the weight as she goes or Angelica when she feels in, or anybody that's ever worked for me. I mean, Rep Max is just the real way to go. We don't always just think, oh, that feels hard. We got to be very careful with that because, look, human nature is human nature. And even people that are super fit and super alpha and have all this testosterone and all that, they can be lazy, you know, they can be super, super lazy and be like, ah, eh, it feels hard today. I mean, and we're going to have bad days and that's okay too. But that's why I like going back and using numbers, you know, numbers, numbers, just the balance between how things are feeling hard, easy and numbers of, well, I'm lying to myself because actually last time I did 15. So can't really be calling this hard or heavy right now. So that's what I want you to do. I want you to use rep max because I just think it's the best. All right. Speaking of the best, what a segue. Overhead door of Daytona Beach. They don't get any better. They don't get any better. They had the best garage doors. They have the best customer service. See, they're so good. I got choked up over it. So, I don't think there's anything more important than customer service. I mean, it's the reason why I go back to places. I don't care if they're a little more expensive and I'm not saying overhead door is because they're not, they're very, very comparable, but I don't go, I don't judge that anywhere I go, whether it be shopping for cars, or whatever. If I get good customer service, that's what I want. To me, that's like most important. Their customer service is just through the roof, the absolute best. I can vouch for Jeff and Zach Hawk, give them a shout at OverheadDoorDaytona.com.